0: Oh God, in the midst of the the blustery weather and all the things going on in the midst of life, we remember that you are the author of life. You are the one who gives us the breath that we breathe in, the breath that we breathe out, the breath of your spirit that joins us together in the family of the church your spirit that interprets your word to us, your spirit that moves in us to assure us of your care, of your plan, of your steadfast love. We remember these things as, again, we open our hearts, minds, and souls to the renewing and correcting and redeeming and inspiring word by which we live today. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I think we have a question to answer. Um the question is this, we have a ton of words to get through today. Lots of text, long involved stories. And normally I read all the text and we talk about it. We can do that today or I can very quickly try to summarize the text, but one of the important questions is have you all had a chance to read these chapters before coming here? Now, I realize that's admitting to the pastor, maybe you didn't. <laughs> Y'all feel pretty familiar with the text? I'm, 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 I'm seeing heads kind of going this way. Okay, that's, that's good. Well, then I'll, I'll try to kind of summarize this text as we go along. Otherwise, we'll spend a lot of time reading, which is not a bad thing. And it's important to have read this text, uh, but um, yesterday's group really hadn't, hadn't read, so I read and we, we didn't have a lot of conversation because it was just me. So, um, okay, that's great, that's great. Let's, um, let's dive into this then. Uh, we are in uh, chapter 29, 30, and 31 of Genesis, Um, but let's talk about the context of of all this for just a moment and then talk about some of the main themes that we're going to see in all of this text. Um, Jacob, of course, has left his homeland uh, under the very uh, stressful circumstances of um, having swindled his father and brother, uh, and, and that has created some tension in the relationship. Jacob has started traveling north and uh, and has been, in a sense, wandering in the desert, if you will. Uh, and last week we saw how when he bedded down for the night in a place that was no place and had to use a rock for a pillow, uh, that God appeared in the form of angels coming down and going up a staircase into heaven. God's voice came to him and said, I'm still here, Jacob, you can't get away. Uh, not that Jacob was trying to get away from God, uh, but God reaffirmed the promise to Jacob. And now Jacob has continued on. So in this next uh, series of stories that we're going to encounter, uh, we're going to see how Jacob finds a place to settle for a while um, in the land of Haran. So um, there are a couple of major, what, what theologians will call, inversions that occur in this story. Uh, Jacob pretty much has nothing. There might be a few people traveling with him uh, that would likely have been the case, but they're they're not uh, they're they're primarily servants or just companions. But Jacob has left everything behind, even though he's been blessed to be the heir of everything. He's left everything behind. Isn't that ironic? And so Jacob comes into this new place now with essentially nothing. But over the next period of time, many scholars think maybe around 20 years, uh, that Jacob goes from having nothing to having everything. Uh, He goes from being a fugitive from his own family uh, to, to being a person of substance and power and wealth. And so that's one of the changes that happens in Jacob's life, the inversions that we want to pay attention to. There are several others that go on here. Um, as a way of understanding how God can work in life. Uh, have any of you ever had nothing? Yes, I would, you know, naked came I into the world and naked shall I return, at least that much, right? <laughs> but, but we're thinking of other things when we have nothing. And now maybe some of you have something when you used to have nothing. Do some of you have something How many of you have too much something and you're trying to get rid of it? (laughs) Okay, there we go. Um, The other major inversion that we have is one that should not surprise us by now. And that is Rachel. Um, Jacob's second wife, uh, who uh, who is barren for a while, but then has a child. We've seen that happening many times before. So that's one of the things that we're going to be seeing. We're also going to see a lot of humor in this story, and I'll try to point out some of that humor as we go along. I, I think it helps when uh, when we understand how precious and how engaging these stories were to the people who were passing them down in the oral tradition. A lot of the humor we miss Because humor is almost completely dependent on knowing the cultural, social context of the moment, or of the day, or of the family, right? There are, in in a sense, a lot of inside jokes here. They were not inside jokes, but to us they appear to be inside jokes. Because we don't know the players, we don't know the situation very well. So I'll try to explain that to you and help you see some of the humor. There is... um, a lot of jockeying around uh, for power here. Uh, and um, we see that between Jacob and Laban and Rebekah and Leah and Jacob and God. Uh, a lot of contentious behavior. But that's the story uh, of Jacob's life, if you will. Um, we're going to see evidence of, of um, belief in magic. Belief in magic in all of this. Um, and so in all of that, we, we have Jacob... The scheming manipulator, the supplanter, still at work, okay? All of that is going on. So let's dive into the text. We're going to look, first of all, I printed it very small on these pages so I wouldn't have to have 42 papers up here. Uh, The first 30 verses of of, uh, chapter 29. So Jacob goes on in his journey. We are told he comes to the land of the people of the east, and he comes to a well. And at this well, he sees uh, a big rock over the well. And he learns that the, the shepherds, all the shepherds in the area would gather together at night and together they would take this huge rock off the, the opening of the well so that they could all water their flocks together. And that's the way it was done. So Jacob shows up at this well uh, and he asked the people, he said, who's who is here? What, what is, who does this belong to? And they say, well, this this belongs to Laban, son of Nahor. And Jacob says, whoa, cool. That's my uncle. That's my mother's brother. And they say, wow, your family, your kinfolk, this is really, really cool. And so as the course of the conversation continues, uh, a, a, a young, beautiful woman brings some sheep to the well to be watered. But she's early. She's early. All the shepherds have not gathered yet. And so Jacob sees her and it's love at first sight, right? Love at first sight. This is Rachel, the younger daughter of Laban. We're going to have to try to keep the name straight. It can be difficult, okay? Jacob sees Rachel and says, wow, this, this was worth the trip. Um, and Rachel needs to water her father's sheep, okay? And so, but all the, all the shepherds have not gathered yet. And so Jacob by himself goes and removes the stone from the covering of the well so that Rachel can water her sheep. Okay? Now, that's where some of the humor starts. Laban is in Haran or Padan Aram, he is the, the beginning of the people uh, of the Amorites. Okay? And the Amorites and the Israelites, centuries later, uh, were sort of friendly or sometimes not so friendly rivals to each other. It'd kind of be like a USC Trojan and a UCLA Bruin, or pick pick your rivalry, right, from wherever you are, right? And and the, the implied joke here is that it takes all of the Amorites to move the rock, but it only takes one Israelite to do that. Okay, so people, when they're hearing this story, they would begin to laugh at this story, right? So Jacob removes the stone. Everything is good. Jacob is taken to meet Laban. Laban says, wow, this is cool. I've got, you know, one of my nephews has shown up, you know, come and stay with us for a while. And and so then Jacob says to Laban, he says, I've seen your beautiful daughter, Rachel. I'd like to work for you seven years so that you then can give Rachel to me. And Laban says, that'd be great. He says, I want to keep it all in the family. Now, I know you're saying, wait a minute, this is first cousins marrying each other. Okay, well, that's the way things were done then. It still is done that way in some places. So let's not worry about that little piece of the culture. That's just a normal thing here in this culture. So Jacob serves Laban for seven years, right? There is another daughter. There is another daughter, Leah, (laughs) Leah. And so after Jacob has served the seven years, there's a wedding, Jacob gets drunk, Uh, he goes into the tent with his new bride, and they do what what people are supposed to do on their first wedding night. Maybe that doesn't happen anymore, I don't know, but that's the way it was then. Um, And then Jacob wakes up in the morning and realizes it's Leah, it's the older daughter that he has been given. And so Jacob goes to Laban and says, what up, dude? What's going on here? And Laban says, you know, our custom is that you marry off the daughters in, in the, the order of their age, in the order of their birth. And here again, we meet that, that business of primogenitor. Primogenitor, right? We Remember that Jacob, Jacob reversed the order of primogenitor by stealing the birthright from, uh, from Esau. But Laban has stuck with that, said, I couldn't give you my daughter, Rachel. I had to give you my daughter, Leah. And so Jacob, the great schemer, deceiver, has himself been out-schemed and out-deceived. That's going to be part of the story here, okay? And so um, Jacob has to take Leah. He already has taken Leah as his wife. By the way, Laban has given Leah her own servant, Zilpah, right? Zilpah. If I get any of these names mixed up, please correct me on that because it's confusing. Um, and so Jacob works for seven more years, for seven more years so that he can get Rachel. And he does that. 14 years, at the end of 14 years, he has two wives. Laban has given to Rachel a woman servant as well, as well named Bilhah, Okay. So in the midst of all of this, Jacob is being, being very, very patient, uh, very persistent, uh, but he's also kind of watching his back because his father-in-law, his uncle, is just like he is, <laughs> right? Right? Okay, so that's the part of the story that we want to look at to start, okay? That's the beginning of the story. What are the things that we learn from just this part of the story? What do we see here going on? Trickery, yes. Trickery and deceit. And we've already asked that question about Jacob's life, right? Especially about stealing the birthright. Can God work through our trickery and deceit? In spite of our trickery and deceit, right? If God can't do that, then we're all toast. (laughs) we're all toast. And and Jacob Jacob is a pretty sly guy. We're going to see some more stories, right? So God works through that. We also see here a couple of other big things. What else do we see? Jacob gets not one wife, but two wives. Why is that important? That's important because you remember the promise to Abraham? You are going to be the father of a great nation multitudes. In order to be a father of multitudes, you have to have men and women getting married and having babies. Jacob leaves his homeland and wanders around and finds a new place to settle for a while, and he finds a wife. That seems like the normal course of things for us, but it's not guaranteed, is it? Do you know anybody who's still looking for a spouse in the world? I do. Do you know people that don't ever find a spouse in the world? Do you know anybody who sent away to order a male order bride? Right? Right? This simple, what to us is the normal, natural, logical progression of things is anything but. It's not guaranteed. And so the fact that Jacob finds not one wife, but two wives, and oh wait, it's going to get really complicated because of that. That's a huge statement. The promise continues, the family continues. Do any of you know people who can literally say, I'm the last of my family line? You ever encountered folks like that? I mean, you might be a person like that, right? The last of the family, it stops with me, right? But here a big family is going to continue on. So Jacob gets a wife, he, uh, Abraham gets a grandson, Okay? Abraham's grandson gets a wife. And there's another big story going on in this, and that is a story about Jacob's persistence. Jacob is a schemer and a swindler, but how many of you, after waiting seven years and getting the wrong person, the person you weren't in love with, would wait another seven years? Would you do that? Now, I realize all of you are worth waiting for, 14 years, <laughs> okay. Would you trust Laban anymore? Why would you trust Laban? Really? You're going to have me seven more years? Are you really going to give me Rachel? I don't know. So this, this schemer deceiver also has some redeeming qualities. He's a, he's a patient, persistent, faithful man. Yeah, a thought, question over here. Use the mic, please. Use, yeah, use the mic.
1: I always thought he had to work seven years before he got Rachel. But, yes. but in the text, it sounds like he gets Rachel right away and then has to work the seven years.
0: No, 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 no. It's a seven more years. He works seven years and gets Leah and then he works seven more to get Rachel. Right? Really?
1: Because it sounds, that's what I always thought.
0: No, no. Okay. The word week has deceived you. Okay. The word weak, has, has <laughs> okay? the word weak is, is being used metaphorically here. How many days in a week? Seven. That is meant to refer to, I've got to work seven more. It's not literally a week, it is seven more years. In one of the books that you refer to, mm-hmm.
2: Dennis Prager's book,
0: mm-hmm. um, he
2: says that people get it wrong. It was only a literal week, and then he got Rachel right away. Yeah. So are people. Yeah, disagree Prager's the on
0: outlier that? in that interpretation. <laughs> He's the outlier in that interpretation. Okay? All right, so Jacob waits, and so now Jacob's got a couple of wives, right? Jacob's got a couple of wives. When, let's see, blah 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 blah. Complete the week of the blah 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 blah. blah. Okay, here we are. Verse thirty-one. Um, yeah, thirty-one, chapter twenty-nine. The Lord saw that Leah was unloved, and He opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Okay, now we're going to talk about Leah. Is unloved. Right? But God blesses the unloved one. Isn't that interesting? How many of you have ever felt unloved? Of course, we've all felt that way, right? Uh, Leah was was not the favored wife, right? You can create all kinds of potential scenarios in this. The scenario that, that maybe after that first night, Uh, Jacob and Leah never did anything to have babies. Maybe there's a little miracle being implied there. We don't know. Nothing is described in that for sure. But the unloved one is blessed by God. Where do babies come from? (laughs) This isn't a trick question. (laughs) Babies come as a gift from God. Now, we think we know where babies come from, and we know a lot. But at the end of the day, everything that we do to have babies doesn't guarantee a baby, does it? Some of you know that in personal experience. We all know that in the experience of others whom we love. Right? Whom we love. And so at the end of the day, even today, don't we have to say, that we are not in 100% control of the business of making a baby. God is in control of that, right? So Leah has a baby. She has, actually, several babies. Notice what Leah says. She, her first baby is named Reuben, the oldest, right? The oldest in my no, he, that was Ed. Reuben was next. Never mind. So what does, what does Leah say? The Lord has looked on my affliction. Surely now my husband will love me because I've given him a child. The purpose of women then was to have babies. You can argue with that. You can dislike that. You can try to hide that fact. But this is history. This is the way it was. So not only does she have one baby, she has Reuben, Right? And then she has Simeon. The Lord has heard that I'm hated, so I'm going to name him Simeon, right? And then she has Levi because he's born three sons, right? And then she's going to praise the Lord. She has Judah, Judah. Leah has four sons, okay? She is blessed by God. Now, Rachel, Rachel sees that she has had no children for Jacob. So Rachel comes up with a plan. You know what the plan is. Hi, I have my, my, my servant here, Bilhah. This is just like uh, Ishmael and Hagar, right? Same story. I've got Bilhah here, right? Bilhah is, is mine, so whatever happens with Bilha is mine. So Jacob, you and Bilha go about the business of baking babies, okay? So that happens, right? And Bilha bears a son, right? She names him Dan. And then they have a second son. They name him Naphtali, okay? So now Jacob is starting to get children through Rachel, sort of, okay? And now Leah's upset about that, okay? Can you imagine that? The two women are competing with each other, right? Okay, so Leah says, fine, you took Bilhah, I'm going to give you Zilpah. Isn't this interesting? We had, to, we had to do a TV show with this, right? Okay, so Zilpah has a son and he's, they name him Good Fortune, she names him Gad. And then a second son, and she's happy, she names him Asher. Okay, so now we have, let's see, four sons of Leah, two sons of Bilhah, two sons of Zilpah. Did I get that straight? We need somebody to do a, it'd be too complicated even sketched out on paper. Organizational chart. Yeah, an org chart. Okay. So now Jacob is starting to get sons, right? The, the promise continues, except when we talk about the history of Israel, this what we call the patriarchal history. What are the names that we mention? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. We don't have Joseph yet. Okay. That's going to come. That's going to come. So, Let's keep on with the story. Um, In the days of wheat harvest, this is verse 14, Reuben goes, the oldest son, and he finds mandrakes in the field and takes them to his mother, to Leah. That's the right thing to do. Rachel says to Leah, I would like to have some of your son's mandrakes. And Leah doesn't want to give them to her, right? So Leah basically sells them to, to Rachel. Rachel says, well, Um, I'll tell you what, I'll give you Jacob for tonight. I don't know if that was a good deal or not, but that's what it was. I'm going to give you Jacob because Jacob loves Rachel. Jacob doesn't love Leah, right? I'm going to give you Jacob tonight in exchange for these mandrakes. And she says, okay. So Leah goes into him, says, you know, I sold you some mandrakes. And then Leah starts having babies again, right? A fifth son to Leah, right? They name him Issachar. And then they have a sixth son, and he is named Zebulun, right? And then Leah has a daughter, Dinah. Inconsequential as far as the story goes, but she has a daughter, right? And then God remembers Rachel, okay? God remembers Rachel, and she has Joseph. God has taken away my reproach. Okay, so now you've got 11 boys and a girl And somehow or other it all had to do with the transaction uh, the the later kids are connected to this transaction with mandrakes. Anybody here ever eat mandrake or use powdered mandrake or anything? Oh, where does that go? Okay. We got a question here.
2: Mandrake.
0: What is a mandrake? It's a plant. Okay. A mandrake was considered to be a very powerful aphrodisiac in the ancient world. Here's another joke. (laughs) <laughs> Here's another. Oh, now they've found Mandrakes. Guess what's going to go on, right? You see, this kept people interested in the story for one thing, and, and, and may well have been part of the story, right? So Leah, the not-so-pretty one, the unloved one, is the first one to have kids, all right? She, she is redeemed in the eyes of the people because God has blessed her, right? And then they start having more kids. Now, We know from previous stories, like when Abraham and Sarah uh, made the arrangement with Hagar to have Ishmael, that God's not necessarily in favor of, of our jiggering with his plan, right? There's not a lot of conversation about that, though, here. But we end up with a fairly complicated family, don't we? Right? We have Jacob, and we have his two wives, and then their two Handmaids, if you will, their two servants, and they have all had babies. That would not necessarily be all that uncommon in that day. Here's here's a here's some some of the stories of scripture um, that a lot of modern Christians don't like to admit exist in the Bible. This is this is polygamy in some sense or polyamory in some sense. Um, it was a while before Israel began to get the idea of monogamous, single, one man, one woman in marriage kinds of things. Can God work through all of this stuff? Well, God obviously did. That's part of the story, right? So God's promises work is working itself out. Now, think about this. Think about this. All these boys that are born, right? All these boys that are born um, become what? The 12 tribes of Israel. Right? The 12 tribes of Israel come from four different mamas. We don't talk about that a whole lot. Uh, You never see, I never saw a flannel graph about that when I was five or six years old in Sunday school. (laughs) Right? That's how complicated the history is. That's how complicated the history is. So now we've got all these children being born. Again, that's a huge thing because we don't necessarily have children. Children are not guaranteed. Okay, so we have all these children. Of course, there's going to be a lot of interesting stories with them as we get further along in Genesis. Okay, so let's continue on. Chapter, uh, chapter 30, verse 25. So, when Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, "'Send me away so that I may go to my own home and country.'" Okay? Okay. Jacob now has a whole bunch of women and a whole bunch of children, and he's beginning to prosper a little bit. And so um, Jacob says to his his uncle slash father-in-law or father-in-law slash uncle, I guess the father-in-law would trump the uncle. I don't know how that works. Um, I was just going to say something, but I decided not to say it (laughs) at any rate. And so now the negotiation begins between Jacob and Laban. What does Jacob get to take with him, right? And we get into this long conversation about the flocks, right? Jacob says to Laban, give me the striped and speckled and spotted uh, lambs and goats and all that stuff. I'll take those. You keep all the others. Laban says, that's great. Except then Laban, what does Laban do? Laban takes all the speckled and spotted from his flocks and and removes them and and sends them off with one of his sons a long way away, theoretically, so that there will be no speckled, spotted, and striped uh, um, offspring-born progeny. Uh, But then Jacob, so so Laban swindles Jacob again, but then Jacob takes these sticks and peels them so that they look striped and, and mottled. And the belief, apparently, in that time was that uh, when animals were mating, if they saw something that was striped or mottled, they would produce that kind of offspring, and that's what happened. And that's what happened. Okay, that—that's the story. That's the story. And so, Jacob outswindles Laban at this point, right? Right. And and then, how? Let's see. This was complicated. Jacob finds another way to swindle Laban, right? Um, Laban, um, blah, 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 yeah, that's all in this story. Okay. So Jacob becomes, Jacob becomes rich. Now then, um, as the flocks grow, Jacob starts separating them because some would be born not speck- speckled or mottled. Uh, Jacob takes the weaker animals and, and separates them off to give back to Laban, but he keeps the stronger ones for himself. Okay. So Jacob's flocks begin to increase. Laban's flocks start to go away, right? They're not nearly as strong, not nearly as prosperous. The swindlers are swindling each other back and forth, multiple swindling, okay? So if you want to do some proof texting, the next time you need to swindle somebody, just say, look, it's right here in the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) But just don't let anybody interpret what that means, okay? And then let's continue on. Uh, Chapter 31 now. Now, Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's. He's gained all this wealth from what belonged to our father. And by the way, it's going to belong to us one day, except he's stealing it. And Jacob sees that that Laban was beginning to to suspect him, right? And so Jacob begins to create a plan to leave, to leave without Laban knowing about it, right? Right? And so um, he says to he he brings his two wives to talk to him, uh, and and he says um, I am going to um, it, I'm going to leave. It's time to go, and um, Leah and Rachel then um, say back to Jacob. They say, well, they're in favor of this plan, even though sometimes when a couple gets married, the the daughter does not want to leave her family. Have you ever heard that story before? Okay, that's what we would expect is that the daughter would not want, the daughters would not want to leave their family. But what do they say to Jacob? They say to Jacob, well, clearly you've, you've got the upper hand over our dad and so our dad's not going to be very happy with us. And so we'd better go with you. That's ultimately what they say. We'd better go with you. So a plan is hatched. A plan is hatched. And uh, while Laban is with his other sons a few days away, tending the flocks, Jacob packs up everything, right? His wives, their concubines, all of his children, uh, and leaves. In the midst of that process, Rachel does something interesting. Rachel goes into her father's tent and steals the family gods. Okay, let's talk about that a little bit. What is that about? What is she doing? She's stealing her father's power. Exactly. So now Laban's family, Laban's family are still, we would, we would call them pagans, right? They have all these gods. It's Jacob's family that is beginning to believe that this God, Yahweh, the God of Abraham and Isaac, now, now Jacob's God, that there maybe is only one God, you know. It still could be, I think, the case that in much of ancient Israel, this idea of there being one God took a while to settle in with the people, okay? So Rachel goes in and steals the, the little statues of the different gods. Uh, they could be human looking figures. They could be animalistic kinds of figures. Um, think back to the golden calf, right? Moses and the Exodus, something like that. She steals those gods. Why would Rachel do that? To steal her dad's power? maybe she wants to take the power of the family gods with her right isn't that interesting we, we don't have any evidence about what Rachel's belief was at this point okay so so they leave they leave and Laban finds out they've left and he comes after them right he comes after them and this goes on with verse 25 i hope i'm not leaving the details out of the story okay so Laban and his and his posse <laughs> overtake Jacob uh, and his family, and Laban says, what have you done? I knew you were getting ready to leave, right? But you left without saying goodbye. You left without my being able to give a blessing to my family, right? You kind of feel for Laban in that, right? I, I want to kiss my daughters goodbye. I want to kiss my grandchildren goodbye. Uh, but, but you have changed all that, right? So, but, but we would think maybe, we would think maybe that Laban would come after Jacob and say, wait, I've discovered you've stolen everything. But God has come to Laban and said, don't touch Jacob. God has protected Jacob in this. You see, all these different stories of God taking care of Jacob, okay? And by the way, and by the way, uh, Laban discovers um, that his gods have been stolen. And so... Jacob says, I don't know anything about it. Search, find the gods. Jacob doesn't think that the gods are there. Rachel has them, okay? Apparently Rachel's the only one that that knows that that they're there. She's the one that's got them. And what does Rachel do? Rachel has learned some things from her dad, (laughs) right? She's sitting on a camel. She puts them under her saddle, right? And, And when Laban, when her dad gets to her, she says, dad, it's that time of the month. You don't want to move me. And he says, you got that right. I'm out of here, <laughs> right? So Rachel swindles Laban. Isn't that fascinating? And, and takes away the family gods. And then, and we should start reading some of this text here because this gets down to, the, to really the, the, the gist of everything in all of these stories, right? So Laban and Jacob are kind of at an impasse, Right? Uh, Laban has been told by God that he can't really, really do anything to prevent Jacob from going and taking what Jacob has. That's already been guaranteed. But how then are they going to depart from each other? So let's go to, um, let's see. Let's go to verse 41, okay, of chapter 31. And let's read that text. This is, uh, this is Jacob Uh, Laban is saying, you've taken everything from me. And then Laban starts complaining. He's whining. (laughs) I have worked for you all these years. I worked when it was hot and when it was cold and I didn't get to sleep and blah, 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 blah. I did all this. So starting with 41, these 20 years I have been in your house. I served you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock. And you have changed my wages 10 times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac, had not been on my side, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God saw my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. Then Laban answered and said to Jacob, The daughters are my daughters, the children are my children, the flocks are my flocks, and all that you see is mine. But what can I do today about these daughters of mine or about their children whom they have born? Come now, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. And Jacob said to his kinfolk, Gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap, and they ate there by the heap. Laban called it Jagar Sahadutha, but Jacob called it Galid. Laban said, This heap is a witness between you and me today. Therefore he called it Galid and the pillar Mizpah. For he said, The Lord watch between you and me when we are absent one from the other. If you ill-treat my daughters, or if you take wives in addition to my daughters, though no one else is with us, remember that God is witness between you and me. Then Laban said to Jacob, See this heap and see the pillar which I have set between you and me. This heap is a witness, and the pillar is a witness that I will not pass beyond this heap to you, and you will not pass beyond this heap and this pillar to me for harm. May the God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac, and Jacob offered a sacrifice on the height and called his kinfolk to eat bread, and they ate bread and tarried all night in the hill country. Early in the morning, Laban rose up and kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. Then he departed and returned home. Okay, so the two decide they're not going to swindle each other anymore. And they set up the heap of stones. That's the way you marked things. then. They set up the heap of stones and they they create a covenant with each other, right? They create a covenant with each other. And they pray for this covenant and say, may the Lord watch between you and me while we are separated from each other right? Now, in, in somehow or other, this often happens in Scripture and in literature, actually, you have this, this, uh, this arrangement that's made, uh, and the arrangement is this. God is going to be the observer in the demilitarized zone between the two of us, Right? But today, I was just shown some evidence of it earlier, and I have some of it in my house. Today, people use that language. May the Lord watch between you and me when we are apart from each other. We use that as a blessing, and say, "God, watch between us. God, take care of both of us." Right? Um, this is what's that movie, Five, Right? Um, somewhere out there, beneath the, the the bright blue, bright stars or something. The pale moon, yeah, the moonlight, right? You know, God's looking after both of us, right? You have this you have this really, it's a beautiful sentiment. You know, while we're apart from each other, may God protect us and bless us and bring us together and safely, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's what we want to say. But what Laban and Jacob are saying is God's going to stand here and make sure we don't kill each other. Which is probably something that you need to pray in your marriages. I don't know, but... <laughs> Anyhow, so... The story starts with Jacob having nothing. And now all these years have passed and all this, this business dealings have gone on and family dealings have gone on. and It's, it's confused. It's, it's not entirely ethical or moral. It is, it is very messy, isn't it? Right? Four women, 12 children, 11 boys, and then a daughter. And eventually Benjamin's going to come along right? The 12th of the 12 tribes. And what a mess. What an absolute mess. But at the end of the mess, Jacob's got a whole lot in his household now. Jacob has prospered. And so this next chapter is over. Does that all make sense? Okay, let me stop there for a second. What what thoughts, what issues, what questions, what comes up in your head about all of this?
2: I'm just trying to... So... Um... Uh, Nahor was Rebekah's father as well mm-hmm. correct mm-hmm. and this re- reference to made the God of Abraham and the god of Nahor so mm-hmm. was did God or did Nahor was he a follower of Yahweh or when she they refer to his God is that
0: to me that's unclear this is like Nahor has his own God okay right that's not necessarily yahweh In a lot of ways when when we hear when we hear the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, or Isaac when we read the Lord, um, we, I think we're better off to read the name of God, Yahweh, this yeah. specific God, because all the other gods had names too. Now, we don't read that because of, of the concern about speaking a name of God that, mm-hmm. is, that is inappropriate because we shouldn't control God by knowing his name. There's all of that. But a lot of times when i'm reading through this when i come to reference to god if it is if it is the one true god that we now believe Mm -hmm. exists i use the word yahweh for myself to keep straight with all the other gods
2: and rebecca did not want um jacob to marry a hittite right right so she sent him to the land of her father but then he marries his cousins who are not necessarily followers of Yahweh either. So, I, I, it's, I just wondered what she. Yeah, I just. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Yeah, I'm a lot of help, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I. To me, it's helpful to understand that with all this, all this intermarriage, all these families, all these things coming in, this idea of the one true God that we're following, that that takes a while, that idea takes a while to develop, and and not necessarily everyone completely totally buys that. And that's the way life is today, isn't it? Right? Isn't that the way life is? Do you and, and the significant others in your life, you know, maybe husbands or wives or children or whatever, brothers and sisters, do you believe exactly the same thing about God? Probably not. Probably not. So it's confusing. Okay, what else? What what rises up out of all this for you?
2: Uh, earlier we learned that the the oldest son kind of took over the family. He mm-hmm. was going to be the head. So now there's 11 other brothers. under. Is, did that same hierarchy follow through? Or now are the 12 tribes, each one got their own? Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, you're going to have to read the rest of Genesis to find out. Oh. Who
2: said he wasn't much help? Who? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, how does the story go? Right. The story goes: the they go away. The twelve tribes, the 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 families of the of the twelve brothers, uh, are doing great, except they hate Joseph because Jacob loves Joseph. And so they try to do away with Joseph, and Joseph ends up in Egypt, and then they have to come to Egypt, and Joseph saves their bacon. And it's through Joseph's line. Not the first brother, but the 11th. Right? Well, no, who's, but yeah, Joseph is, and then, and then Benjamin, right? And so there again, the whole birth order thing is messed up. God does not always use our systems. just like Jacob was the second one. Just like later on as we read the genealogies of the people of God, we read that that sometimes there's pagans involved, sometimes there's women involved. Things are wild and crazy, right? Okay. Yes, yeah. Way. You all need a whistle. <laughs> Go.
1: Uh, I think a thought that comes to my mind is that back in history, including those times, how women were treated more like a commodity, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, rather than the human beings that they were. And look how long it's taken for us women to come to this point to where we still are not totally equal in many people's eyes. Mm -hmm. So I just, you know, I just feel sad when I see how women are treated in history.
0: -hmm yeah you see a lot of that you see a lot of that what else that's a whole nother we got Ruth here and then then we got yeah, yeah. Jacob really
2: realized
1: what he's going back to he's going back home but who is there
0: right right yeah there's a new there's a new crisis Th- this is like this is like a a multi-show serial sort of thing you know it's going to take us a whole... A whole bunch of episodes to get the whole story in, right? And and what it, a story is basically this: there's a conflict, there's a problem, there's an issue. We work on it; it gets resolved. So now we're going to have a new problem, conflict, issue. It gets resolved, right? That's the way this story is going. to Like all stories are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: Pastor, um, I hope you understand me. This story for me is wonderful because Leah. Old time was crying for her husband, mm-hmm. but her was wonderful woman in this history uh, Jacob loved to raquel yes mm-hmm. yes Joseph born they love Raquel and Jacob mm-hmm. Joseph was wonderful man for love, but Leah was wonderful life because her, from her come Jesus Mm -hmm. from Mm Judah, yes? Mm -hmm. And her was, when her died, her was with the parents, the history, Abraham, Sarah. She was wonderful woman Mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. I love you this history. I understand Leah was, uh, her, his wife Jacob forgot, from God. Raquel, I'm sorry, Raquel, no, no woman for Jacob.
0: Yeah.
1: And then, this history is for, uh, they are woman crying all time for her husband because they are suffering. No problem. Remember Leah. Leah was. Wonderful woman. Okay, her life was crying all time for Jacob. But her is in this moment with God, mm-hmm. with Abraham, Sarah, approximately
0: for everybody too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. That, that gives us a perspective on all of this history, all of the all of the good stuff in it, all of the bad stuff in it, all of the pain and suffering and misery, all of the joy, everything that goes on in that. Somehow or other, God uses all that and makes it move forward towards God's plan. So we look back at at the things that we would want to change about the situation. And and we look at things that we would change in our situation today, would we not? Are there some things in the world you'd want to change today? Of course. Uh, But beyond that, deeper than that, is the idea that, that God is making his history move forward. Not the history of God, the history of us that God is in charge of, is making it move forward to a point where God wants to take it, right? And so I hope that working through these stories, at least for me it does this, it gives me a deep appreciation for the the weirdness and craziness and hardness of lives that we live, and for the people that live them, because all the people that have come before me have lived those kinds of lives, and it helps carry us through all of that. Not that we don't try to change all that stuff. That's part of the story too. I mean, that's what God is doing in this history is trying to bring us to the point where we get it all straight, where we get it all right. But it depends on God doing that. Okay. And in order to be straight and right and just, we have to stop talking now. (laughs) Let's pray. God, thank you so much for being with us, for teaching us. Help us to find answers to the questions that we have. Help us to find new questions that we haven't even understood as questions yet. Help us to be faithful to you and to each other in Jesus. Amen. God bless.